Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple of things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. The message you are about to watch is week 10. Today, we're tackling the topic of the mission and the church and asking the question, what is our part in God's plan? If you've missed any messages in this series, we encourage you to go back and listen to the messages that you've missed. Once again, thanks for checking out this message here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Before we jump in this morning, I wanna give you just a quick preview about where we are going over the next few weeks. This Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to conclude our series, Pages. And on April the 29th, we are starting a brand new series called Anxious About Everything. The Bible clearly says that we're to be anxious for nothing. But as I look at my life, and maybe you look at your life, and as we look at our society, we are clearly anxious about everything. And so we're going to take three weeks and talk about some topics like money, relationships, and time, and see what the Bible says about this issue that is relevant to all of us. So take the invite card that was in your seat. Be thinking about who you can invite to be a part of this new series we're going to kick off on April the 29th, and we're praying that God uses it in the life of our church as well as in our city. There was a survey done in April of 2017 by Lifeway Research, and the survey basically posed the question asking people to describe the Bible, and they were given a list of options but they were to check all that applied from their perspective. So I want to show you some of the results from the survey that was done when people were asked to describe the Word of God. 52% said that the Bible is a good source for morals. So if you want to know about moral living, 52% said you should check out the Bible. 38% said this is a history book, that this is a historical account 14% said that it's outdated. It doesn't have any relevance for us today. 7% went as far as to say that the Bible is actually harmful. 13% said that it's worth reading at least one time. 22% said that it should be referenced when something comes up in your life and you have a need. On an as-needed basis, 22% said you should look at the Bible. And then finally, 5% said that the Bible is not worth reading at all. I share those statistics with you because right now as a church family, we are journeying through a series called Pages, the story of God's love through the Bible. And in this series, we are doing an 11-week overview of the, the overall story from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And I know 
in, at Hope that you guys remember every single thing that we teach in every single sermon that we preach. I know that. And if that's not true, just let us keep believing that. But I would hope after a series like this one, that if someone ever approached you and asked you to describe the Bible, that you would have a lot of things to say. But one of the things you would say immediately is that the Bible is compiled of 66 books that really tell one story. The story of God's redeeming love for humanity demonstrated through the person of Jesus Christ. So if that ever comes up and that question is ever posed to you, I just gave you your answer. Thus far in this series, we've walked through the biblical narrative of creation, the fall, God's promise to make things right again, his plan fleshed out through the person of Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, during our time together, we're going to wrestle with this question. What is our part as the church in God's plan? If you're following along with the bookmark we gave you a couple weeks ago, our topic today is the mission and its church. What is our part in God's plan? So take your Bible and look with me in the book of Acts chapter 1. In just a moment, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And the verses that I'm going to read really lay a foundation for us as we talk about our part in God's plan. Because what we're about to read is what Jesus shared with his disciples. It's what he told them to be focused on between his first coming and his second coming. That's the time in history that we live in. We live between the first coming of Christ that is recorded in the Gospels and the second coming of Christ that we all anxiously await. Here's what Danny Aiken said about this period of time in which we live. The church finds itself between the time when God sent his son to purchase redemption and the time when he will gather the redeemed of the nations and create the heavens and earth anew. So we're about to read what took place after Jesus had been resurrected just before he ascended up to heaven right before his disciples. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these... He also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time 
you are restoring the kingdom of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Each week in our series, we've been giving you a big idea, which is the overall teaching principle for that Sunday. I want to go ahead and give you our big idea for today, and it's this. God invites his people to join him by the power of his spirit in the expansion of his kingdom locally and globally. God is inviting his people. He's inviting us to join him by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in the expansion of his kingdom locally and globally. During our time today, I want to look at three foundational principles about the mission and its church that further unpack this big idea. Here's the first principle for this morning. God is on a mission. God is on a mission. As we have walked through this overview of the Bible, I hope by now it is very clear to you that God has a plan and God is on a mission. He is on a mission to redeem and reconcile people to himself. A Christian writer by the name of Trevin Wax wrote this in one of his books, there is no true gospel-centeredness that does not lead to mission because the gospel is the story of a God with a missionary heart, a father who desires that all come to repentance, a shepherd who seeks and saves the one lost sheep. The purpose of God's word is to reveal God and his plan to us. You see, mission is rooted in the very identity of God. And as you study the totality of Scripture, you see the glorious conclusion of this mission. We see the finale in in the book of Revelation. And next Sunday, Pastor Vance is going to conclude this series by talking about this further. But I want to give you just a glimpse into Revelation chapter 5 and the glorious finale of this mission that our God is on. Here's what the scripture says in Revelation 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you, meaning Jesus, were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom. You see, Revelation chapter 5 clarifies for us what the mission of God is all about. The mission of God is about the expansion of his kingdom to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And as we read this passage here in Acts chapter 1, it's very interesting what Jesus chose to spend his last 40 days physically on planet earth talking to his good friends about. There's a lot of things that he could have talked about. He chose one thing. A friend of our church named Jeff Christofferson 
writes about this section of Acts chapter 1 this way. For 40 days, Jesus and his friends hung out. Jesus taught, they believed. And what did Jesus single out as the most significant reality in the universe for his friends to understand and master? Discipleship, evangelism, leadership, missions, church planning, how to be a better apostle? No. The subject on Jesus' post-resurrection syllabus was curiously analogous to his pre-crucifixion teaching. The kingdom of God. Days 1 through 40 were all about this singular focus. You see, the mission of God is to expand the kingdom of God. Right now, at this very moment, God is alive and at work all over the planet. He is building his kingdom among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And we can't become so short-sighted that we begin thinking you and I are simply members of a church when we are so much more than that. We are not just members of a local church. We are citizens of a big eternal kingdom that is being expanded among the peoples of the earth. Our God is on a mission. And the mission of God is to expand the kingdom of God. Here's a second principle for us this morning. God invites us as his people to join in his mission. So he's on a mission. And he has graciously invited us as his church to join him in his mission. I love in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 how many times Jesus uses the word you. He's been talking to them about this grand kingdom. What he's establishing among the peoples of the earth. And then he says, I want to invite you to be a part of what I am doing. So we've established what the grand mission of God is. The expansion of the kingdom of God. But by clarifying that, we're also clarifying what the mission of God is not. You see, the grand mission of God is not to build a big local church. The grand mission of God is not for us to build buildings and establish big budgets or create this little comfortable space we can come to once a week just to get our needs met. It is so much bigger than that. So if the kingdom of God is the ultimate mission of God, how does the church that Jesus established fit into all that? Well, before I speak to that, I want to take just a moment and bring some clarity as to what the local church actually is. Because I, I would imagine if we went around our city today and just asked random people, hey, what's the church? When you hear the word church, what do you think about? For most people, they're going to say one of two things. They're either going to associate the church with a location or an address, or they're going to associate the church with a worship service that Jesus followers go to once per week. I would say in your average conversation, 
That's how someone is going to describe what the local church is. It's either a location or it's a worship service. But as we study the New Testament, what we see very clearly is that the church is not associated with a location or a worship service. The word church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia. The word ekklesia literally means a congregation of called out ones. You see, the church is people. It's a community of Jesus followers who have been called out by God for the sake of the mission. Simply stated, the church is not a location and the church is not an event. The church is people. And every, every time you see the word church referenced in the New Testament, it is in reference to people. You could say it this way. We are not at church. We are the church. And there's a difference. The church is not a location. The church is not an event that happens on Sunday. The church is people. It's a community of called out believers who've been called out for the sake of the mission of God. And when it comes to God's kingdom and the local church, it's important to understand that those two things are not synonymous. God's activity, the expansion of his kingdom is so much bigger than just the local church. The local church does not exist for itself. The local church exists to expand the kingdom. Look at this statement that hopefully will be clarifying. The local church exists to teach people about the king, disciple them in kingdom living, and launch them out to join in God's kingdom activity. Do you see the trend? Hope Church exists. This is why we're here. To teach people about King Jesus, disciple them to live in the midst of God's kingdom activity, and launch them out to join in what he's doing all over the world. The church is a people called by God to join in his mission of expanding his kingdom all over the world. There's a statement I want to share with you by a man named Alan Hirsch. And it's a statement that you have to read a couple times to really understand it because it definitely goes against the way that we just naturally think about the church and the mission of God. Look at this statement by Alan Hirsch. It's not so much that the church has a mission. It's that the mission has a church. You see, God is on mission. Expanding his kingdom among the peoples of the earth. And he has birthed the local church because of the mission. We are a temporary tool. The church is a temporary tool established by Jesus for the purpose of expanding his kingdom all over the world. And as the local church, we have this incredible opportunity to join in the very mission of God and allow what is on his heart to dictate how we function both personally as well as corporately. So God is on a mission expanding his kingdom all over the world. And in his grace, he's invited us to join him. 
I would imagine as Jesus shared these words in Acts chapter 1 with his disciples, that at some point when they continued to hear about this grand mission of the kingdom of God, it became pretty overwhelming for them. As we sit here today and I think about God using this church in Las Vegas called Hope to literally touch the ends of the earth for his glory, it can be overwhelming. But that's what makes this third principle that I want to share with you about the mission and its church so significant. Not only has God invited us to join him in his mission, he has empowered us by his spirit for his mission. God empowers us by his spirit for his mission. There is a lot that takes place in the book of Acts. And it's been talked about, it's been written about, it's even been argued about. But I want to share with you a fact that no one can argue with. In the book of Acts, the church was empowered like it had never been empowered before. Look again at verse 8 in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, but you, talking to his disciples, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. I love what Pastor J.D. Greer says about Acts 1.8. He says, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has come upon you to empower you for that mission. You are filled with the Spirit to be a witness. Jesus' words are a promise to you. If you've never read the book of Acts, I encourage you to read it. And when you read it, here's what you're going to discover over and over and over through this incredible New Testament book. Ordinary people were able to do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God was at work in them and through them. And because of that, here's what Jesus is, is establishing here in Acts chapter 1. He is warning his disciples. He's saying, listen... Don't you dare try to carry out this mission of expanding my kingdom apart from the power of my Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't even try. It's impossible for you to do that apart from the power of the Spirit of God working in you and through you to carry it out. I was thinking this morning, just kind of praying through this message, and I had this thought. What if the thing that is hindering a move of God in our nation the most is that the church of God is trying to do the work of God apart from the Spirit of God? Because you see, we've been called to something that's impossible. And the only thing that makes it possible is the very Spirit of God empowering us for the sake of of mission. This is 100% true today. In the same way that Jesus warned his disciples not to try to accomplish this mission apart from the power of the Spirit, you and I need to heed the same warning 
and not in any way attempt to try to carry out the mission of God apart from the power of his spirit being pressed out through us. You see, there are two things that are promised in verse 8. Power and witness. Power and witness. He says, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Because ultimately, here's, here's what's really significant. Ultimately, God does not need us. But we desperately need him. God does not need us. But we as the church desperately need him. And when we begin to think that for some reason God needs us. It's when our witness for his gospel is no longer honoring to him. He's God. He doesn't need us, but he has in his grace invited us to join him in this grand, glorious mission. But on the same th- in the same way, when we lose sight of how desperate we are for him, it's when we no longer have power because we begin to depend on our resources rather than relying on his spirit in us to carry out the work. He doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. You could say it this way. Being a gospel witness in the world is not something we do for him. It is something he does in and through us by the power of his spirit. So think about this for a moment. God's on a mission, expanding his kingdom all over the planet. He's invited us by his grace to be a part of that. And he's empowered us by the Holy Spirit of God to join with him in seeing this happen. And yet, so many people are content just to show up to a worship service on Sunday And think that's what following Jesus is all about. I hope today that your vision is broadened to the glorious activity of God. And the opportunity we have to join him and be empowered by his spirit. So that we can effectively carry out what he's called us to do. Several years ago I was... Really just wrestling with some of these principles that we've been talking about. And during that time, a book was recommended to me by a man named John Piper. And there's a section in that specific book that I want to read for you today. And it's seriously challenging. But I also think it helps us wrestle with and clarify some of the priorities that we have in our lives today. Jesus said, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. This is an absolute promise. It will happen. The ground of this certainty is the sovereignty of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Nothing can stop him I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From this discovery, we see that if we as a church are disobedient, 
It is not ultimately the cause of God and the cause of world missions that will lose. We will lose. God's counsel will stand. And he will accomplish all his purpose. His triumph is never in question. Only our participation in it. Or our incalculable loss. We can be drunk with private concerns and indifferent to the great enterprise of world evangelization. But God will simply pass over us and do his work while we shrivel up in our little land of comfort. What a challenge. What a moment for us to think about today. What really matters and what our God is inviting us into. I want to remind you where we started with our big idea. God invites his people. It's present tense. He's inviting us to join him by the power of his spirit in the expansion of his kingdom all over the world. The question is, will we? Or will we in disobedience live in our little bubble thinking that our empire is really what matters all the while God is inviting us into something that is so much bigger than our lives, than the local church, than our nation. It is the expansion of his glorious kingdom all over the world. So with all that being said, what does that mean for us today? What I want to do as we conclude this morning is I want to ask you a couple questions. Because I I think what's important for today is that we evaluate two very significant areas. And I've framed them up in two questions. Here's the first question. Do I have a passion to see God's kingdom expanded locally and globally? You don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to raise your hand. But as you think about your heart right now, do you have a passion to see the kingdom of God expanded among the peoples of the earth? Here's another way to ask that question. Are you passionate about the mission of God? Is that a priority in your life? One of my favorite verses in Matthew chapter 6 says this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That verse speaks to priority. It speaks to what should be an ultimate passion for the Jesus follower. God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So here's the first question. Do you have a passion to see God's kingdom expanded locally and globally? Maybe your response today is just to stop and confess before the Lord that you don't. That you are so fixated on your empire and your story. That you've lost sight of the grand story of God. And this invitation to join him in what he is doing. This is a heart question. Here's a second question today. Am I leveraging what has been entrusted to me for the sake of God's kingdom? It starts with your heart and a passion to see his kingdom expanded. But then it moves, it moves to your hands. Are you leveraging what's been entrusted to you 
for the sake of God's kingdom? Are you leveraging your job or your platform of influence, your relationships, your skills, your passions, your resources, your time? Are you leveraging those things for God's mission in the world? Or have you found yourself in a place where rather than leveraging them for his mission, you're leveraging them for your benefit? There's nothing wrong with having things, and I'm not saying you need to give everything away, but I am saying you've been given what you have to leverage it for the sake of God's kingdom. In John chapter 17, Jesus was praying to his father. And he said this in John chapter 17 and verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Jesus is saying something that's fascinating. He's saying, Father, as you sent me into the world as a missionary to carry out your promise and plan for the redemption of humanity... I am now sending my followers, my people, as missionaries into the world to leverage everything that they have for the sake of your mission. As Jesus followers, we have been sent out as missionaries to join in the expansion of God's kingdom right here in our city and all over the world. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to leave this service today and go sign up for every go time opportunity we have over the next two years. But what it does mean is that we need to have a right perspective of ourselves. You see, we're not just members of a church. We're citizens of a kingdom who are to live on mission for the sake of the glory of God among the peoples of the earth. And we're to leverage everything that's been entrusted to us for that end. That is our part in God's plan. I want to invite you to bow your head this morning. We're going to transition now to a time of response. And it's a time for us just to really consider how God is speaking to us today. I want you to think about your passion. As you consider what you are passionate about right now in your life, it's the expansion of God's kingdom even on your radar. Maybe today's a day for you to finally just be honest and say, Lord, I need you to change my heart. God, would you ignite a passion in me for your activity right here in Las Vegas and among the peoples of the earth? I want you to think about what's been entrusted to you. Do you find yourself in a place where you are trying to maximize everything in your life for your benefit? Or are you leveraging it for the sake of God's kingdom? 
Do you understand that the mission is so much bigger than us and what we can establish here in our brief 80 plus years on the planet? Do you realize we've been brought into God's kingdom for such a time as this to leverage everything we have to see people come to know him? Maybe you're here today and you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. This series is all about God's love for us. In Romans 5 and chapter 8, Romans 5, 8 says this, that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. And everything that we've been talking about in this series is because God loves the world. And he desires a relationship with you. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of response as a church. And if today you recognize that you need Jesus, you need a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you just to make your way to the front here. And we'd love to connect you with somebody who can show you from the Bible how you can be born again today into a relationship with God. For others of us, maybe you would just like somebody to pray for you today. Maybe it's specific to this message and what we've been talking about. Or maybe you've just got some things going on in your life that are financial, that are relational. Maybe you've got some health issues. You just want somebody to pray for you today. Our pastors would be honored to pray over you today. So Lord, we, we ask you in these moments to continue to speak to us. Lord, give us grace to be sensitive to your voice. Lord, as some of us pray, as some of us sing, as some of us just listen. God, may, may these be productive moments. May you draw us closer to yourself in these moments. And God, ultimately, I pray that you would use us, you would leverage us as a church for your glory among the nations. We invite you now, God, to to move in our midst. Speak to us, Jesus. In your name I pray.